You're listening to a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the John Seville way. I am your host, Jeff Verhelst, and with me, I have... Krista Brazo. How are you doing today, Krista? I'm great. How are you, Jeff? And good, good. <laughs> you cut me off. I was, all, <laughs> I was all going for it there. And with us today, we have... Pete Southwick. How are you, Pete? Oh, I'm fantastic. You, Thank you. You may recognize the name. Yes. We just had another episode with the Southwick. Uh, that would probably be my lovely daughter. <laughs> Ashley, yes, yeah, okay. it was a fun episode. Have you, you haven't had a chance to listen yet? I have not. Okay, I, I that's okay. to say. You so should I have. Will do so. A listening party, okay. and the two of you can listen to your episodes there. Okay, I just came up with a great idea. Mutually embarrassed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nothing embarrassing. And no pressure then to to create a better one than hers. You know, okay. just for a little bragging rights. <laughs> no, so. knowing hers, it was it was probably pretty good. It was pretty I good. All right, so let's start off with uh, talking about your Johnsonville story. So start us off with how you came here. Sure. So I, I owe this to a, a countryside person, a gentleman named Joe Oberbrockling. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we here, all know him. True we story. All know true story. Joe <laughs> so Joe O and I worked together at Pentair in Sheboygan. Okay. And uh, Pentair decided they do business elsewhere, right? Moved their operation from Sheboygan to Mexico and China. So both Joe and I parted ways, went to different organizations. Joe ended up being a Johnsonville member a couple of years before I did. And he called me one day. I was at Manitowoc Crane at the time and, wow. and said, Pete, oh, there's a great opportunity here, continuous improvement at the Meadowside facility. And I said, Joe, I'm not switching careers again. You know, <laughs> starting over, getting to know people all over again. And yeah. Where to park and who's who and <laughs> where to park. The real and hard and stuff. All you know? the hard stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, getting to know a new organization. So I, I politely declined. And, and being the persistent guy that he was, uh, he sent me a position description. And I, I finally said, oh, what the heck? I'll, I'll interview and see what happens. So it, it was, I'll have to admit, I wasn't as prepared as if I were real desperate to go do something else. Sure. Sometimes it's the best um, way to walk into an interview, though. Is like yeah, I think you get the real lose. person that way. And, yeah, and, totally. And that was the real me. Yeah. And then, uh, one of Joe's selling points is, you know, I was commuting to Manitowoc, which isn't a bad commute, but I live probably as close as anybody to Johnsonville campus <laughs> here. I, I live, I, I tell people I doubled my commute when I went from uh, Meadowside to Riverside. Oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's not much of an exaggeration. So I live about two miles from here. Okay, nice. And uh, so I interviewed, got the job, started in continuous improvement at Meadowside. So when was this? Uh, 2012, June of, okay. of 12. So I've been here about five and a half years. All right. And uh, spent almost three years as the operations coordinator at Riverside. And then uh, my, my, well, my previous coach, he's really not my current coach because Steve Sorensen's moved on to uh, the, uh, yep. the RTE role that he has now. But, you know, developed the global CI team and position and, and suggested rather strongly I should apply for it. So the last year and a half, I've been growing the, uh, the global CI group and working with all plants, all facilities. And uh, best decision career-wise I ever made was to 
to listen to Joe the second or third time, <laughs> the first or second. Now, I don't be him. saying that too loud. It's going to go right yeah. to his head. Yeah. Yeah, it will go to his head. Yeah. But, uh, so now, when you were back at Riverside, I believe the first year that I was on the United Way steering committee, you were the representative for Riverside at that time. I was, yes. Yeah, delighted to do that and, and, yeah, and be willing to do so again. Yeah. You know, are, are there any other special teams that you're a part of? No, I can't say at Johnsonville that there are at the moment. Okay. okay. Right. CI keeps you pretty busy. <laughs> it does. And, and I like to volunteer in the community and oh, nice. have plenty oh, cool. of uh, volunteer type gigs too. So That's awesome. Maybe we'll have a little opportunity to talk about that after our break here. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Now, before we get into Pete's many uh, volunteer activities, let's talk to the main reason why we have you here now there's a rumor floating around here that you are a big star <laughs> that was in a movie that uh brad pitt just so happened to be a part of is that is that correct am i am i hearing that right well i think you're you're embellishing the story a little bit there, i'm not Jeff, even by the slightest okay, I, these are well, actual things i've heard so i was an extra in a movie and, and okay. this goes back a few years okay um, and what movie is that it's called a river runs through it okay it's, and again starring brad pitt right Starring anybody, Brad Pitt. Anybody else? That's uh, all I know. Skerritt. What was his first name? Brad. Brad Skerritt? Right? No, Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. Okay. Brad's brother. A couple others. <laughs> and, and I, it was directed by Robert Redford. That oh. Was, that was the cool part, Did you see Robert Redford? I did. Got to meet Robert Redford. <gasps> to me, um, that's more exciting than Brad Pitt. I don't know why. Well, here, here's the, the deal with Brad Pitt. I have to admit this now. So... My wife at the time, well, still my wife. What am I saying? <laughs> 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 at the time. My Classic. wife. My lovely, beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> asked me after the first night, uh, same question, who was in it? And, and, I, and she was excited that Brad Pitt was in it. And, and I had to admit, well, who's Brad Pitt? Oh, wow. So when was this? This what was year? 91. His actually summer oh, of 91. Okay. I'm trying to think of when Thelma and Louise it came out. It was prior to that. That was his big break. That's what Karen told me. Well, you oh. saw Thelma and Louise. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where I recognized okay. him from. So I, I have to, to state that the first night of shooting, I say night, for whatever reason, it was late after work for the atmosphere, of whatever Hollywood environment they were trying to create but uh so yeah i met brad pitt too and tom scarrett so that was neat okay so take us back to how how in the world did this happen <laughs> yeah okay we're jumping a little far ahead here <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Start so from the beginning. start at the beginning so I, I lived in bozeman montana went to college at montana state and even though i was an engineering student i i played in the jazz band i played in the bozeman symphony i was a bass player and um the movie was filmed in the Bozeman and Livingston area, even though the story takes place in Missoula, like most things, the reality and where it happened were sure. two different things. But, yeah. So I, I was a musician at the time, as well as I was a manager of an auto parts store, and a trumpet player friend of mine said, hey, you want to be in a movie? And, and I said, well, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, they're, they're looking for musicians to play in a couple different scenes in the movie that Robert Redford's filming over in Livingston. And I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I decided to go to the audition. And basically the audition had nothing to do with music. It was, it was stand there with your instrument and uh, thumbs up <laughs> or thumbs down. 
So did you, was it an upright base? Yeah, an upright okay, base. That's what I was picturing in my head for some reason. So. Right. Now, the story takes place back in the 20s, mostly. I mean, okay. the early 1900s through Prohibition, basically. And so they were they were looking for a certain look, I guess. And You had you, the look, Pete. Yeah, I always thought it was more of a radio than a television or movie. <laughs> but anyway, uh, got selected. Okay. Did your buddy get selected too then? He did. Okay, yep. all right, good. So, oh, he would have been so mad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, oh, I didn't make it. Right. I don't like you no more. Yeah, one of the most interesting parts, and, and again, maybe I'm getting ahead of things, is we didn't actually play. We had to be totally quiet. Oh, and sure. And pretend sure. to play oh. because they dubbed the music in later. Gotcha. Okay. So we had to look like we're really <laughs> doing something there, but we weren't. That'd be really awkward, I it, think. it was. It was hard to do that because you had to sort of hum a... a Tune, tune to yourself and yeah. just be totally quiet and pretend to play. So do you remember what the scene was? Like what was happening in the movie? Yeah. For those of the people who are going to immediately Google I this. I totally have to see this <laughs> YouTube now. it. It well, was just on cable, by the way. And I tried to find another showing and it's not showing again now. So okay. I was really disappointed. <laughs> well, let me let me set up what the movie's about real okay. quickly. Okay. So it's Great. a Norman MacLean uh, novel that came out. And it's sort of autobiographical, but not... Exactly. Okay. So Norman and, and his brother, um, Paul McLean, grew up in, in Missoula, Montana in the 1900s. And dad was a Presbyterian minister. And so the, the premise of the movie is really these two brothers. One's wild, one's not. and But they shared a love of fly fishing. And for okay. those of us who like Montana, that's part of the appeal, right? You know, fly fishing. And so fly fishing is kind of the... I guess the spiritual, besides the church, right? The Presbyterian oh, minister, okay. you know. So the fly fishing is that common thread that they all, dad and the two brothers do. So there's a lot of fly fishing in this movie. <laughs> okay. Just, right. just to warn you. If you're gonna <laughs> it. I think I have seen it because that's actually sounding familiar, but it would have been years ago. Okay. So the scene I'm in, so, so Paul, who's the... The Brad Pitt character. And, is he and the, the wild rebe- one? Yeah, the of wild, course. rebellious brother <laughs> uh, is dating a Native American woman, which okay. which was very not taboo in, in, in those days. Sure. Yeah. And so they go to a speakeasy because it's during Prohibition, and uh, they don't want to let him in because he's with a Native American uh, woman. But they eventually do, and, and they dance. And I'm in the band that's playing when they're dancing. In the, so cool. In gotcha. The, uh, <laughs> Speakeasy, if you will. Nice, but you have to look quick. It, it's like one second, probably. Well, and and they made me look about sixteen, I think. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you gotta look quick. Interesting. It was fun. It, it was uh, four grueling nights, you know, where basically you do very little. And right, and it, it, this all came back to me when they were filming commercials over at Riverside a couple of years ago. Oh, you sure, know, just sure. the the Hollywoodisms, right? The, all the lights and the a lot, one, take, a lot of time and work. A lot of time for very little output. Standing yeah. around, yeah. So a lot of standing around time. So what was your probably most memorable moment of the whole experience? Just getting to meet those guys, or was there something else there that, that you take away from the whole thing? Really the most memorable was, was shooting the scene I was in. Okay. Um, it was in a warehouse in Livingston, and it was probably 10 to midnight or so when we actually were filming. And just the... You know, lights, and, and this is before digital times. So, you know, every time they reshot the scene, they'd run around with a Polaroid camera, if you, anybody remembers oh, what oh, that sure. is. Oh, sure, yep. Because they had to make sure if something was on a, on the counter, it, it 
it was still on the counter in sure. the same orientation. Gotcha. And, you know, the people had to be roughly exactly where they were. Mm-hmm. And so that part was interesting, just all the, I guess, the technology of the time and the, you know, the lighting was the other interesting thing. They, they spent hours trying to get the lighting exactly right. Where they wanted it. Right. With, you know, light panels and dark panels and, yeah. you know, come up and re-combing your hair. And it, it was <laughs> a lot of detail. Oh, I suppose you probably had on a whole period piece. And, we did. Yeah, yeah, we're all dressed in the 20s look. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So was it a big deal? Did your family go see the movie then when it... Well, actually what happened was I, I moved from Bozeman, Montana to Jamestown, North Dakota when the movie actually was released. So uh, we, we lived in Jamestown. I worked as an engineer for a malting barley company at the time. And it came out. And so my wife and I went and saw it at the time. My kids, and, and this is how long ago this was, right? I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old, <laughs> two and four, whatever. But gotcha. So just my wife and I saw the movie in the theater. And then after it, uh, after we saw it, I didn't know this, she went back and, and asked the Jamestown Movie Theater if she could have the poster that they display in the lobby. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so she gave framed that and gave it to me for my birthday. And that's really neat. To this day I still have it hanging in the house and actually I have my receipts for getting paid. Oh nice. An on envelope the on the back of it. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool actually. That is so do you have a credit in the movie too? Nope. No, no credit. Oh. Nope. But I still have the little pay stubs, you know, the extras. Actually we were uh, an upgraded of extra. And, you know, there were just people that were extras too. But if you were a musician, Ooh. you got paid Oh, a little or bit something, more. Even yeah. though we were fake musicians, <laughs> we couldn't actually play. So yeah, I got a hundred bucks a day for doing it. Not bad nice. back then. Back in '91, right? yeah. So, That's really cool. What a I, fun experience. It was pretty neat. That's a great story to tell, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Very so cool. how often does it come up then with friends and stuff? Like when you meet people, do you ever really tell that story or not? Someone else. Like how many people up, at Johnsonville you think know about this story? You know what? I, I've mentioned it at an icebreaker or two. Okay. Okay. And usually the question is something like, "Well, tell us something that nobody knows about you." And yeah. I say, well, uh, I was yeah, in yeah, a, yeah. you know, a Robert Redford film. Well, I hate to say it, but after this podcast, you probably can't use that anyway. <laughs> no, I'll have to be more creative again <laughs> going forward. That's you could say, well, you probably don't know this, but I was on this cool podcast called Off. Right, Off. right. Yeah, that'll yeah. be my next. Come on, come on, Jeff. That'll be my next one. Exactly. Jeff's not by you it. can't hear it, but I'm rolling my eyes really <laughs> hard right now. So you mentioned a couple of times that you were kind of pretending to be a musician in the movie, but beforehand you said you you play jazz, you play the bass. Is that something you still do? Or where did that start? How did you get into playing? Okay, well... Yeah, this is a little bit of an interesting story, at least for me, probably not for you guys. But <laughs> I'm all ears. All right, so I, I started playing stand-up bass or string bass in um, middle school, played in symphonies, jazz bands, stuff like that. So when I went to, uh, to college, I auditioned for the jazz band as a freshman just to meet other musicians and hopefully play on the side. Well, it turns out I was the only freshman that made the the oh, jazz wow. band impressive which was which was kind of cool yeah. but yeah and and i was one of two non-music majors right and, oh, and okay. so um jazz band was was my connection to, to a lot of things i ended up playing a little bit of rock and roll in college played in a jazz combo for a while played in a, the bozeman symphony and still went to school and did all that stuff sure. too and afterwards uh i lived in bozeman for several years and still played in a big band, old swing music, you know, 40s, 50s type stuff. 
which was my connection to being asked to play in the movie. Well, that's how you met your friend. With yeah, the yeah. Okay. So the you know, and as I mentioned, the movie came out. We'd moved to North Dakota, and, and I kind of I didn't know anybody, and and had young children. Yeah. Family took over, they, and they've ruined all your free time, they, don't they? Yeah. So, <laughs> all no gone. more working on cars, no more playing music. Anyway, I uh, so I didn't play for years, and and meanwhile um, was transferred with the malting barley company to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Had to look that up in the map to know where it was, <laughs> as most people do. Yep, and, and that was uh, 1998. And I thought, well, this will be a five-year stopover sure. type of thing and you know we've lived here 20 now and this is home this is where my kids really grew up and yeah our friends are and, and we just love it here so what so i hadn't played bass for 22 23 years oh no so you picked it up and i picked it up again only because it had been a decoration in my living room set by the uh the baby grand that's now ashley's okay and in our living room and, and looked nice but you know it didn't didn't do anything and it turns out my church we had a we had a young woman who played electric bass who went to college. She was a high school kid and went to college and, and all of a sudden there's no bass player at church and somebody oh. somebody had a connection. I said, Well, I could try, but I haven't played in twenty <laughs> years. And this is three or four years ago. And so now I play every week at church, which nice. at least is yeah. kind of fun to Is it like riding it a bike, you just pick it no. back up and no, no, I don't think no? any music. No, it's not at like all. That. Come on, I played the tube in high school. I think I could bring it for a couple more years. <laughs> I go try it. I, I can I mean, we do an episode on that? I'd like I to totally that. would. I, <laughs> yeah. I faked it all through high school. I could do it again. <laughs> yeah. No, pull that thing out. Oh, man. There's no. only three buttons. It's super easy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, there's only four strings on a bass. There you go. So easy. Yeah. There's no frets on an upright bass, right? It's kind of nope, like a cello. Yeah. There, okay. there are no frets. And actually, I have a fretless electric bass as well. So there are no frets on that I think either. that makes things harder. Because yeah. I tried to play the cello for a while, and that's really difficult. Okay. Got to find just that right spot. I love the upright bass, though. There is nothing like this. It has such a deep, rich sound right. compared to like an electric bass. It's, yep. I love the upright bass. Now, I, I actually have picked that up a little bit. And the hardest part, I actually played Christmas Eve at my church, too. I played upright bass with all the brass. And and I, I had to practice for weeks because I. Huh. it wasn't so much my left hand, but using a bow is something oh. you know, even when i played a lot as a younger person yeah. I, I played jazz and i didn't use a bow sure. that much so that takes some getting but used. it's been it's been fun to pick it back up again nice yeah so have you been part of any like really cool experiences like throughout your musical history or like you know ever recorded a cd or anything like that no or no played in it's front all of like, been a for big fun group? okay okay yeah i know you said you were part of so many different symphonies and stuff i didn't know if right. you got an opportunity to kind of or travel anywhere yeah. cool or nope just you know to high schools when I was in college <laughs> yeah sure, sure I mean I played bass drum and marching band football games and, okay the uh, usual things it's I guess. just yeah. fun to have a creative outlet though yeah it Something is and it got me in all the basketball games in college too because I played in the pep band and <laughs> oh all sure. right there I love sports you know and oh there you go sit there and more than once it's like one two th- I had no idea what we were playing <laughs> into the game right so <laughs> it, uh, no it's been a fun hobby. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think then let's transition to some of your uh, volunteer stuff. Uh, You mentioned earlier, is there something that you... uh, Oh, I've always loved to volunteer. I mean, this this started with the United Way discussion here at Johnsonville. And 
uh, when I was at Riverside, I was uh, Don Merceberg and I were representatives of Riverside, and and really I'd, I'd love to do more of that. Uh, I mentioned playing bass at church. I've also been on my church council for twelve of the last thirteen years of my life. So, oh, wow. uh, just off as of two or three weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> church council president for the last couple of years. Wow. So take a little break from it. Yeah, take a break. I'm yeah. he'll probably recruit me again in a year or two. This happened before. I'm also president of my Lions Club, Town of Sheboygan Lions Club. Oh, and, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's been fun, too. So, so what does the Lions Club do? Well, basically, we raise money and give it back to people who okay. need it. I mean, that's right. oversimplifying it a lot it, for uh, blind people, sight, glasses. You know, that's one of diabetes. Um, but our, So I don't even live in the Town of Sheboygan anymore, but I used <laughs> to. And the town of Sheboygan um, puts a lot of money back into Firehouse Park, if you guys know where that mm-hmm. is, on, on Y and J. Yeah. So we have a big festival every summer with music and sell beer and Johnsonville brats. And, uh-huh. uh, I think I've been there a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> it's literally like in my backyard. Okay. So we walked there from the house. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for coming. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the beer and brats. We'll yes. see you again in July. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But that's about it. I mean, I... I you know, I, I just love helping out, doing, raising money for organizations. Yeah. It's just uh, been a part of me for a long time. It sounds a lot like what you do with the Lions Club is what we do for United Way, too. You know, sure. Raising and, and giving to those who need. So. Stays in the community. Yeah. Yep, exactly. That's awesome. I have a question. I don't know if it's going to be part of the podcast. It could be. So I'll lead it in. Well, I, I, was I just wanted to lead it in. It's going to be, it's about Johnsonville. Um, well, yeah, we do give them that. But I'm... I, I'm just curious, as someone who didn't grow up in Wisconsin, you grew up in Montana, was mm-hmm. Johnsonville a thing out there? Like, did no. you know what, you didn't know what Johnsonville was? You'd never heard of it? I honestly can say I never did. And it, I may have when I lived in North Dakota. I okay. don't remember. I'm curious, because to us, this is just Johnsonville. It's always right. been around. It's yeah, what we I ate mean, growing up. I don't know at what point in Johnsonville's history that did we be really become yeah, yeah. more of a, a nationwide No, product. I think prior to living in Sheboygan, I'd, I'd had a brat maybe three times in my life. It's not a thing all it, it, over. It wasn't. Every, it wasn't at the I time, lived. right? Yeah. yeah. So that was people... part of the cultural adjustment to Sheboygan, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. Brat fries, that, that term didn't make sense yeah. to me. It still doesn't make <laughs> sense Now you have brought them. Yeah, no, I, I worked there. Come full circle. I grew up north. That's yeah, not probably. a thing. We don't say brat fry up north. So that what took call getting it? used to. It. We're grilling out. Yeah, right. Grilling's out what you do in your backyard. A brat fry is when you get the whole neighborhood together and. Br- no, it's an event. Is there yeah, hot yeah. oil involved? Yeah, right. <laughs> See, this I'm, is the I'm confusing part. <laughs> See, he's so confused. But I don't know what you're talking about. Frying involves oil. That's all I have to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's a little bit of a, a language barrier once you move sure. to Sheboygan, mm-hmm. right? There's uh, brat fries, which hadn't heard that term before, and bubblers, of course. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Big story. And, and hot I've learned tamales versus... Hot tamales, yeah, the first time they were going to serve that Joe's. at a birthday party. Yeah. And they were manwich, yeah. You're expecting right. Mexican food. Getting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some yeah. weird ground hamburger sandwich. <laughs> well, one of my favorite... weird. <laughs> okay, it's delicious. <laughs> well, it is it, delicious. It, <laughs> One of my favorite ones, though, is is a stop and go. You guys know what a stop and go is? Is it a gas station, right? Well, in North Dakota, it was a convenience store. Okay, yeah. It's but, called a stop and go. Like, that's right. the name of it? Okay. But when somebody gave me directions when I first moved here, is you go by <gasps> two stop, stop and, go and go's. So I'm driving south on business drive, <laughs> looking for a stop and go. This is the best. And, and uh, I never did find one. So you just kept Once going. I got to Oosberg, I thought I missed, <laughs> missed something, right? So, 
That's funny. that, and you don't go to anywhere in Sheboygan. You go by. <laughs> you go, <laughs> go by my grandma's. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's funny. Anyway. I always think the best. I've never is, heard that one. Is everything's uh, measured by distance? Uh, by time, like how long it takes you to get somewhere. Like how it's far not is Milwaukee? It's 40 Mwak- miles, it's 40 yeah. minutes. <laughs> how right. far is Milwaukee from here? Yeah, it's about an hour drive. <laughs> right. No, 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 it's 60 miles. No, 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 it's an hour drive. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, the bubbler got me too. I, I think the first week I was a plant manager at Schreier Malting here, they were, had a safety committee meeting and, and one of the union stewards wanted to put an eyewash station somewhere and he said, I would get water from the the bee house bubbler and i'm thinking well there's no piece of malting equipment called a bubbler and i, and I asked him again and i still had no idea what he was talking about <laughs> and i said well after the safety meeting can you take me down there and show me you know where sure. we can tap water and, and he he did and and i still didn't get it <laughs> i mean I, I saw a pipe and, and i saw a drinking fountain and <laughs> and and finally somebody clued me in about the bubbler and i guess there's this story that it was a Kohler name of something that oh is oh, that really? where it's is from that where, i didn't know yeah. that this is breaking blowing my mind it is it is so Kohler may have turned talk the, about this yeah i want i want all the details you just alluded to so Kohler designed something like a water fountain and called it a bubbler, or is that what? That's my understanding. I, that might not be a fact. That's uh, you're hearing it first here, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> from the mouth of Pete Zelwick. <laughs> Joe and I are furiously googling this right now. <laughs> the, honestly, I've always thought it was just like some local speak thing, you know, kind of bubbles when the water. Yeah, comes it up. like makes a noise. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> A water fountain to me is something you throw (laughs) coins into, you know? Yeah, so you don't drink that water. (laughs) (laughs) No. So I made the transition. Other than bubbler, I still don't, I I do not use that phrase, but a lot of the other Sheboyganisms I do. Yeah. It just becomes ingrained in you. Yeah. It's a story. All right. Joe found it. I'm going to read this off here real quick. Kohler, Wisconsin was the birthplace of the infamous bubbler. Invented in 1888 by the Kohler Company, then known as Kohler Waterworks, this model of drinking fountain shot an inch of water straight up. Bubbler is commonly used today in Wisconsin to refer to a standard drinking fountain of any kind. There you have it. Joe's clapping. This is great. It is a fact. If anything, folks, if you've made it this long into the podcast, you've got your money's worth right now. Now you know this is the a free truth podcast, though. of the podcast. What? It's a free podcast. You invest your time. Time is money. Figure a speech. Figure Thank a speech. you. I'm glad you're on my side. So I, I feel like we have to end it there. I don't I don't yeah. see anything else to talk about other than the, the great knowledge Pete has dropped on us here. Mind-altering information. <laughs> Joe and I are speechless. I don't even. I'm babbling. I don't. I'm bubbling about the ba- babbling about the bubbler. So, <laughs> nice. So with that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think it's time for Jeff to <laughs> Pete, stop babbling, Pete, and Pete can sign, sign us, us off. off. Well, this is Pete Southwick, and you've been listening to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way.